Hello and welcome to the What Manners Most podcast. I'm Thomas Farley, Mr. Manners, joined today by my wonderful producer, Martin Burgess. Hi. Martin, this is an exciting day for a whole host of reasons. So we are, as our listeners know, we are both based in New York City. And today, first of all, we'll talk about this in a moment, but today's the first official day of summer, but it's also, it's the final weekend for New York City to be in phase one. So as of Monday, this coming Monday, uh, New York City will be in phase two. I'm pretty excited about that. (laughs) It feels like progress. Tell me what that means exactly. They're going to be reopening restaurants Yes, in limited capacity. So at the moment in in Manhattan and and all the five boroughs, you can do takeout and pickup from restaurants. And that's been true throughout the pandemic, although for a lot of restaurants, as we heard in John Mariani's episode that we did a couple of weeks back, it's a really long road for them and to keep a restaurant open for just limited takeout and pickup. But nonetheless, what this phase two now means is that restaurants will be able to welcome patrons for outdoor dining. So you can actually sit at a restaurant, whereas before you could only approach, pick up your order, and then walk away. Mm -hmm. So we've got so many wonderful street cafes and sidewalk spots with restaurants that have great frontage. And of course, New York is known for its people watching. So Mm -hmm. although it's certainly nothing like sitting down in a restaurant again, just the ability to relax and watch the city go by, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I'm going to still be a little bit cautious. I don't think I like the idea of people walking by me while they're eating. (laughs) However, along Riverside Drive and especially all the way uptown in Washington Heights, there are some really great outdoor spaces with restaurants that kind of encroach into parkland a little bit or on the river. So I might go exploring those regions. It's it's going to be, I think it's going to be really terrific. I think you could probably request a table that's not so close to the sidewalk. Maybe you could get a, mm. a table that's closer to the, the restaurant's door or the or the glass window overlooking the restaurant that you can't actually enter. <laughs> yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scope it out and just see what the scene is. Because I, I know that restaurants anyway that have outdoor seating, there's usually a crowd waiting to sit outside in general. So I'm wondering what it's going to look like if that's the only option. I think it's still going to be limited. So they're going to they're rolling this out very carefully. And wow, we've really been over these past couple of months as as the whole country has, but really as the epicenter here in New York City, we've had some pretty draconian and necessary restrictions. Mm-hmm. I think from what I'm seeing and I know you're seeing it a lot in your neighborhood, Martin, people are just are ready to start embracing whatever little crumbs of life like normal uh, as we can. Yeah, can't blame us been locked inside for so long. Well, on that topic, it's it's interesting. So as many of my listeners know, so I am a trainer. I travel the country and I work with different groups. I've worked with everyone from Native Americans to coal miners to bankers to lawyers, helping them with their communication skills. And in normal times, I'm on the road two or three times a week traveling to far-flung destinations doing these programs. During this entire pandemic period, so from Late February up until now, here we are in the third week of June, I've done a grand total of zero in-person workshops. Everything I've been doing has been virtual. On Friday, this past Friday, I had my very first in-person training. It was for a small group. It was, uh, there were about five or six people in the session. And interestingly enough, I felt incredibly safe because it was 
a medical practice. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so had anybody suddenly had uh, an onset of symptoms during my workshop, yeah. <laughs> they would have known that medical help was immediately available right next door. Was this the hospital? It was not a hospital. It's a private medical practice in New Jersey. And they really, what I love about this particular practice, they serve a very underserved community. And when we think about some of the impoverished uh, communities that we have throughout the country, often their medical options are, are pretty threadbare. And the doctor at this, it's, his name is Dr. Sasha Salerno, his particular practice really caters to that community in a wonderful way where they do not feel like they are getting shortchanged as patients, that they are not turned away. And what I particular, as you know, Martin, I'm a real design lover. What I love about these medical offices, and I think he's got three or four of them all in the same area, is that the design concepts inside these doctor's offices are stunning. I mean, anything but what you think of a typical doctor's office looking like sterile, clinical, generic. He, I mean, I think in another life, he must have been an architect slash interior designer all in one because these offices are jaw-droppingly gorgeous. I mean, each one of them is, is ready for a magazine photo shoot. They're so beautiful. And so not what you think of when you think of a doctor's office. So to train in that environment, we were in a gorgeous conference room with sculptures all around us and beautiful original artwork on the wall. But apart from that, it was really strange because the entire session, my attendees and I were all wearing masks. Mm. And I think it's the most talking I've had to do while simultaneously trying to keep a mask in place on my face. It's not easy. <laughs> well, I've noticed when I talk to people when it's a mask on, it's always slipping, moving, getting snagged on my nose or something. We need to come up with a, a talkable mask somehow. Yes, I'm. Sh I hope somebody's working on this because I think we're going to be we're going to be dealing with these masks for a while. And I think really now in the last several weeks, you've probably seen some. I've got some that I've really got my eye on that are forget the paper masks. We've all kind of left those behind, but these beautiful cloth masks and some of them are so beautifully designed. I think it's a I think it's a great option. Yeah, that's the new trend now. Is looking at what kind of masks that are available out there. I actually found one that I kind of like. It's a little pricey. It's about $20, but it's by a brand called Figs. Um, they're kind of like trendy medical wear, but it has this, they have this really cool denim one that's big and they have like a neon loop. So I think that's going to be my summer look. That sounds fun. And and I do want to let our listeners know, today's episode will not be a formal interview as, as you have grown accustomed to hearing on the podcast. Today is going to be taking listener questions. Before we get into that, though, I know Martin and I have a couple more things that we want to chat about. And I want to say, Martin, congratulations to you on the relaunch of your hugely, hugely successful podcast, The Mariah Report. I know it sounds funny. There's a podcast all about Mariah Carey, but people love talking about Mariah Carey. You'll be surprised at how many people love listening to me and my co-host, Dan, talk about her. And we have somehow have so much to talk about. But we relaunched it and came back bigger and better than ever. So um, we're feeling pretty happy about that. It's really what a, what a nice feeling to have an audience that is so dialed in to not just someone like Mariah Carey, but also you and Dan as personalities to bring all that home. And they feel like they can all fanboy or fangirl right next to you as they're listening to this podcast. How terrific that you have such a loyal audience that... How, how long, you, you took a hiatus, how long was the show gone? 
the show was gone for exactly a year. Okay. And during that time, I thought nothing was happening to it. It was probably fading away. And the opposite was happening. The audience was multiplying by itself. Wow. So we came wow. back to a big surprise. It was great. Well, congratulations. And I'm so looking forward to, as you, as you launch your new, new episodes, I'm really looking forward to, to tuning into those. Which brings me to my next question for you, Martin. So this being the first official, we had Memorial Day a couple of weeks ago, but the first truly, uh, as far as the calendar goes, day of summer, do you have a favorite summer song, a, a summer anthem, ballad, whether it's new or old? Oh, new or old. Well, right now I've been really loving The Weeknd, his album. So Blinding Lights is one of my favorites. He has a really great song called After Hours on the album too that I love. I like to decide the summer song at the end of summer, whatever's been like around. Maybe I wasn't playing it. It's just a soundtrack that I've been hearing around. So get, I'll come back to you with a solid answer. Okay. <laughs> all right. So for, for mine, I've got to say, I, I'm the opposite. I like, I like to have a song that I can really just latch onto early on and enjoy it the whole summer through. And sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. But I recently came across, I'm a big Motown fan. And I recently came across, so Diana Ross has a brand new album that just came out at the end of May of remixes. It's called Supertonic Mixes. And the mixes are done by this DJ called Eric Cooper. And oh my gosh, you are going to love it. They're mostly instrumentals, but it takes all of her classics. So Ain't No Mountain High Enough and Love Hangover and upside down and I'm coming out and really gives them a 2020 spin. So I have had that whole album on repeat and I've, I'm still narrowing down which of all the songs on this album are my favorites, but it sounds like if you haven't heard it yet, I highly recommend it. If, if you like her or if you don't like her, the songs are just so danceable and so fun and they're classics. And I think Right now, I'm leaning to Ain't No Mountain High Enough because it's kind of representing how I'm feeling about the point where we are with this pandemic that, yes, we've faced a lot these past couple of months, but we're going to persevere and we're going to get through this. We're going to power through. I know you must follow the sun wherever it leads. But remember, if you should fall short of your desires, remember life holds for you one guarantee. You'll always have me. And if you should miss my lover, one of these old days, I just went straight to Spotify and liked it. And as soon as we hang up, I'm going to be listening to the Love Hangover remix, my favorite. Good. Oh, you, yeah, that's a, a great mega mix. I think it breathes fresh, totally fresh life into the an, an old classic song. So we're going to enjoy it. I'm excited. Well, we want to hear what your summer mixes are. Maybe you've got a nominee for us, a favorite song, or what you think should be the song of summer 2020. So so do let us know and, uh, and send those in to us at info at whatmannersmost.com and we'll happily feature those and give you a shout out in an upcoming podcast. But in the meantime, I think we should get to some questions, Martin. What do you think? Yeah, I think we should. That's why we're here, right? Yeah. So we've got a few interesting ones to share with our listeners. Yeah. Do you know what's been interesting about this whole COVID situation are the dilemmas that have been evolving over time and the scenarios that keep coming up? Okay. So here's the first question. Several of my friends, myself included, have a teenager who's a 2020 high school graduate. 
Ideally, I would be giving gifts to their children in the amounts similar to what they're giving my child. Unfortunately, I've been out of work for nine plus weeks due to a coronavirus-related furlough, and I find myself struggling with matching certain friends' generosity. What should I do? I really feel this questioner's pain because certainly when you've got a group of friends and you're all roughly at the same socioeconomic level, and suddenly one of you, because of circumstances beyond your control, is not on par with everyone else in terms of what your monthly budget, your household budget is, it can be embarrassing to have to admit that. And yet my hope would be if these truly are your friends, and they, they clearly are, they're, they're your tight circle of friends. If, if these are not gifts to you we're talking about, they're gifts to your child we're talking about, I would not feel guilty at all. And frankly, if they based the the level of friendship with you on the value of the presence that you were giving to their own children, they're certainly not true friends at all. So what I would do is I'd have a conversation with all of them, whether as a group, depending on how large this group is, or individually. And certainly if they're your friends, they know you've been furloughed. And I would simply let them know, you know, gosh, I, I, I want to let you know how proud I am of your, your children. They've grown up with my son and, uh, you know, how terrific that we all have those ongoing relationships through the generations. I'm really struggling right now financially and I'm having to watch every penny and I don't think I'm going to be able to give in kind in the same way that you've given to my son. With that said, I really don't want you to think that I don't appreciate the gifts that you've given to my child, nor that I have anything but the utmost respect for your children. And what I would do then as a means of doing your best to feel like you're giving in some way, I would write a really wonderful personalized letter to each child and just tell them how proud you are of them, how hopeful you are for their future, you know, any special moments or memories that you've seen your children enjoy together. I think is a really wonderful way. And then if you want to go even the extra distance, I think a nice thing you can do is include in that letter a little IOU. So some kind of a special gift or just indicate that a gift will be coming for them when your circumstances change. And listen, graduates of 2020, they're getting lots of presents. They've they've had to make far greater adaptations this year than any graduating class in recent memory, for sure. And I think the last thing they're really going to be hung up on is the fact that their mom's friend, Susie, did not give them a nice present for their graduation. I think they, you know, teenagers and college-bound students, they're, they're pretty adaptable. They're, they're not going to hold this against you, trust me, and nor will your friends. Yeah, I totally agree. And you could even do something that maybe doesn't cost money. You maybe make a cute little video congratulating them, personalize it, and then send that to them. And then, like you said, do an IOU, get a gift on the anniversary next year or something? Sometimes with a special occasion, you get swamped with so many presents all at once that individual gifts kind of get lost in the shuffle. And I think by giving them something to look forward to at an as yet unknown date, that's going to be a really nice surprise because they'll be receiving your gift, whatever it is, at a time when they're least expecting it. So I think you're you're on very safe ground here. Mm-hmm. All right, next question. We have a large beach home And during long weekends in the summertime, my husband and I have always welcomed various groups of friends to stay with us. This year, although we want to carry on as usual, we're also concerned about the possibility of getting our guests sick and vice versa. Do we take a pass on inviting them in 2020? First of all, 
how wonderful that you've got a large home that you're so eager to share with your friends and your friends are very lucky to have uh, friends like you. And, and frankly, I am fully behind that. I think what is the point of having a large vacation home or a large second home, if not to open it up and celebrate with friends and family? With that said, clearly this year, we're dealing with very different circumstances. And my recommendation would be if your getaway home is within reasonable driving distance for the guests that you would normally be inviting, perhaps you still invite them to come down for the day where you can all be together, distanced if necessary on the beach, where you can still go to your favorite ice cream spot, you can get some fun, you can go swimming, you can enjoy one another's company without the stayover. If it's too far for them to feasibly drive down for just a down and back trip in the same day, perhaps they might want to consider a hotel so that you still can get the benefit of multiple days enjoyed together if they're staying in a hotel in this particular community where you have your home. And what I like about that is you're supporting the hospitality industry, the hotel industry, which is really hurting right now. We know they are taking massive measures to ensure the cleanliness and the sanitizing of all of their rooms. So that would keep your two families distant enough from one another, because let's face it, if you're in the same house, and especially if you've got bad weather, a spate of bad weather where it's raining every day and you're at the beach, you're in that house and you're cooking together, you're playing board games together, you're using the same washrooms. So if anyone potentially is sick, this is an opportunity to pass along those germs. Whereas if you're spending all the time that you do spend together outside on the beach, playing miniature golf, all of our favorite beachside activities, you're really minimizing the risk of transmission, especially if anybody in your household is in an at-risk category or a little bit on the older side. I think that's a nice, safe way to go. And lastly, I'd say consider giving them the house to use on their own for a week. So perhaps there's a week where you're not going to be using the house. And these are friends who you just adore and you feel like they really need a break much as you'd like to be enjoying that break with them, give them the keys and let them enjoy the house in your absence. But if you are those guests, you want to make absolutely sure you leave that house spick and span when you leave or hire some kind of a cleaning service to do so for you as a courtesy for them letting you use the house. And don't forget a really generous thank you note and thank you gift when you are at the end of your trip. Yeah, I wouldn't feel anxious about canceling as well because it's the way it is right now it's okay to take a year off from vacationing and being around other people i agree with you martin i think taking a year off and the span of what hopefully is is a very very long-term friendship there's always next year yeah that's been my mindset about everything for the rest of the year all the holidays i'm going to rethink it and if it just if it's too complicated just take the year off that's right and how much more are we going to appreciate those holidays and those friends and family times together when we could truly do so without reservation. They're going to mean so much more than they ever have. Mm-hmm. Even last year, I was thinking these holidays come around so quickly. I feel like we just did Christmas. We just did Thanksgiving. We just did Halloween. So taking a year off, it might be nice just to take a break, reset, and then enjoy it all next year even more. I, I fully agree. I fully agree. I think sometimes just a little bit of breathing room, taking time for ourselves. It's, it's a forced situation for most of us. It's not by choice. But I think, I think it's going to give us a completely different perspective. We're, we're really pushing the reset button in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question. Greetings. What are your thoughts about wedding shower etiquette during COVID-19? Since our daughter's wedding reception will most likely be smaller than planned, we are sad that she will also miss out on her shower. Can we invite people who, without quarantine, would have been invited to the wedding? 
I'm getting this question so much of late as it relates to any sort of wedding activities. So we're in the month of June, the start of the summer wedding season. And for those who are deciding to proceed with their wedding under much different arrangements, not the big 300 person soiree, perhaps that they've been dreaming about and planning for a year or more. But for those who are actually planning on proceeding with their nuptials, this is a big question and all of the events surrounding it. So not just the wedding shower, but the bachelor party, the bachelorette party, the rehearsal dinner. There are so many occasions tied into the throwing of a wedding and the celebration of a wedding that are in question along with the wedding celebration itself. Something I really love, again, looking for those silver linings, the fact that we are all, most of us still, avoiding larger scale gatherings in many, in many states, they're completely banned, means that we really have the option, if we're doing something virtually, we have the option to invite more people than we could ever have before. So for example, at a wedding, something that a couple really gets angsty about is how do we decide to narrow down our list in normal times? And should we allow people to bring children? Should we allow people to bring plus ones, either because they're on a budget or the venue is not large enough to accommodate a huge crowd? Uh, the great thing about this time is if you are getting married in either a very, very small, reduced size wedding and or inviting guests virtually, you really don't have those restrictions anymore. So invite the kids, invite the plus ones, invite, frankly, whomever you want, whomever you think might actually enjoy watching you get married and being there to witness that special occasion in your life. And I would say the same for a wedding shower. So this questioner is not making clear, is the shower going to be a virtual shower, which I am hearing quite a lot about, or is it an in-person shower? Now, if it's an in-person shower and the idea is, well, let's just make the in-person shower huge, but we can't have a big wedding, I think that's going to send a mixed signal. If, you, if you're in, living in a state where you can have a larger gathering for a wedding shower, but then you're not going to invite those same people to the wedding. I think that's a little bit odd. However, this is a virtual shower we're talking about, and they can be really fun. I would say invite whomever you want. And I would say still, regardless, whether somebody is invited to the wedding or not because of reduced crowd size circumstances, invite them virtually. So maybe you're only going to have 10 people at your wedding and you're just, you're concerned. What about those other 90 that we would have invited otherwise? Make it a virtual wedding do it on Zoom, live stream it so that everybody you wanted to be there initially can still take part in the day. There's no shame in that. And I think people, if they really love you and care about you, they want to be a part of it in some way. And virtual, although it's not the same as being there in person, it really does have a lot of fun aspects to it. And I think it can get really creative. And, and I would say the same for that shower. I have a question. Sure. Well, first of all, I think a digital event I'm really enjoying him. I just went to a digital graduation and I love the fact that I'm at home. It was fun. It was well-coordinated. It was a, it was an event. I felt like it was a part of the experience and then click, I'm at home. I didn't have to go anywhere. <laughs> so I wouldn't be afraid to create a digital wedding and do it on Zoom because the person who's watching it might appreciate it more. They didn't, didn't have to do much. Also, here's my question. Yes. If you are going to have a shower or a wedding event, et cetera, should you be disclosing the size of the shower to the guests who are going to attend? Because me as a guest, I want to know, am I coming to a 10-person event or a 50-person event? So, and and you're asking specifically with respect to a virtual celebration or any, t you mean, in so person, it's going to be an, an in-person person shower? Yes. The person asking the question here, they sound like they want an in-person event, right? 
I, you know, it's it's not clear, but given, you know, what confuses me a little bit about the question, if if the person is reducing the size of the wedding list because of distancing restrictions, the fact that they would then have a no holds barred wedding shower doesn't make sense. Although typically a wedding shower is much, much smaller than a wedding, of course, would be anyway. So maybe they feel that whatever their numbers are for the shower is safe enough as long as they wear masks and as long as they distance. Uh, so that may, and of course, there's usually not dancing at a wedding shower in the same way that there would be at a wedding reception. Yeah, I think I think I would particularly because at a wedding shower, as at a wedding, very often you have a lot of guests who are a little bit on the older side. So you've got people's grandparents, you've got people's aunts, great aunts coming to a wedding shower. And so I, I think you are on somewhat thin ice if you're going to have an in-person shower I would be really wary of including anyone who is potentially at risk or at the very least giving them the heads up, you know, grandma, I can't wait to have you at my wedding shower. I've been dreaming of this day for, you know, since I was a little girl, just to let you know, I'm going to have 30 of my closest girlfriends there coming in from all around the country for my shower. I, I don't know. I Honestly, I, I'm really, the more I even just talk about it out loud, the more I'm questioning the the wisdom of having that in-person shower, unless it's going to be a very small, intimate group of friends where you can safely distance and you don't have anyone who's at risk in attendance. I think a small event in person, 10 people max, that's totally fine. And then have that on Zoom because that way it still creates the experience of being with the group of people. You still hear noises and chats and you'll get be part of the speech and hear the laughter and be engaged in the moment. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a combined event in person and digital. I agree. And I think that hybrid style event that you're talking about is very similar to what we are seeing for couples who are deciding that they do want to proceed with their wedding, that they're not. And I know a lot of couples are postponing, but for those who are not postponing, of course, they're, they're there. The couple is there for their own wedding. So they're present. Typically they have maybe their parents or a maid of honor or best man but beyond that, not really any crowd. Everybody else who's enjoying the wedding is doing so virtually. I see no reason why you can't do the same with a shower, as you've described, or a bachelorette party, frankly. I think, you know, similarly, you could do that. Okay, not the same as going out and having just a, a really fun one last night of singledom night out with your with your girlfriends or your guy friends. But I think doing so virtually can be fun, too. I think you can just really get clever and creative and it's going to be, no matter what you do, it's going to be an occasion that people really remember. And how, how nice, as you say, Martin, to be able to enjoy that from the comfort of your own, own home. You don't have to worry about drinking and driving. You're sitting, sitting at your computer. You don't even have to put uh, shoes on, frankly. But I do say dress up nonetheless. Dress for the occasion. Don't let the fact that you're home mean that you can slack off in the way that you would dress. Be prepared. Show respect to the guests of honor and, and bring your A-game in that respect. I have one more question for these people. <laughs> I'm speaking for them now. So they're having an in-person event. Can the bride demand people wear masks? Bride or groom gets what bride or groom wants. So I'm sorry if you hate masks, if you think they're stifling, if you think that they're annoying. We were talking just earlier about all the wonderful new masks that are coming on stream. The idea of having wedding masks for guests is actually now its own little cottage industry. So I think you can really have some fun with that, whether this is a shower or whether this is a wedding. 
But 100%, I would make that clear up front before people come to the event so that they're in person, so that they're not caught off guard. Or And there are some people who do have a medical reason for not being able to wear a mask. And I think those people need to be treated as a separate category. But other than that, if there's no underlying medical reason for why you could or could not wear a mask, then you should wear it. You should respect in the same way that if a wedding is black tie, you wear black tie. You know, this is this is the couple's day. And not only do you want to make it special for them, but you want to make it safe for everybody in attendance. And if that's if that's the wish of the couple, you honor that without question and with a smile that nobody can actually see because you're smiling beneath the mask. But but you're you're accepting it with a smile and not complaining. Maybe we could have a mask with a smile drawn on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about that too. I've seen some actually some mean masks, some some masks with kind of very gritted, angry teeth on them. And it's kind of frightening looking, but I guess it, it represents how some people feel about what we've all been going through. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, Martin, this was really fun. I'm really, as you said before, what an opportunity to get so many terrific questions and such a variety of questions. And as, as we all face scenarios and situations that none of us ever dreamed of. And I think for me as an etiquette expert, it's been, it's been really interesting just to explore new angles on familiar subjects. So wedding etiquette is something I always talk about and party etiquette is something I I always talk about being a host, being a guest. These, These are very familiar topics for me, but with a whole new spin based on what we're going through. And I think the etiquette is going to continue to evolve, which is what makes this podcast so much fun. And Martin, I want to once again, thank you for being a part of it and, and helping make it a reality because this couldn't happen without you. So thank you for your input and your continual sense of humor under times that are anything but normal. Oh, no, thank you. Like I said, each time I come here, I'm learning so much. Things I never think about. I never knew that restaurants didn't exist before the Napoleon era. I had no idea. That's right. Yes, from our John Mariani episode, right? You, yeah. You had a, a roadside tavern at best prior to that. Yeah. So things, the things we take for granted. I do want to put in one final plug. If you have not yet already, please take an opportunity to give us a review on your podcast provider platform. Those reviews really do help get us out there in front of a wider audience. So Give us anywhere from one to five stars, hopefully five if you're enjoying, and put some comments in the comment section because those really do, as I say, help drive traffic. And we'd love to love to have that feedback from you. It would be greatly appreciated. Martin, anything else our, our audience should know? Not that I can think of. I think we've covered the questions of the moment. Excellent. Well, thank you, Martin, for helping bring the questions to life so eloquently. And I want to thank all of the listeners for joining us. We will see you next time on the podcast where we explore, discover, and distill what manners most. 